great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined by my brother and the other host of this show, Nick. And Nick, we got championship week coming up next weekend. Great weekend of divisional round football. Some of Nick's picks hit. But first and most importantly, how are you, my brother? I'm doing good. You know, got the everything that I wanted to happen, the opposite happened. Besides, uh, no, yeah, pretty much everything. But I was rooting for all underdogs, essentially. And the one underdog I didn't want to win was the Bengals, and they pulled through. Um, yeah, it seemed like uh, the opposite of what we wanted to happen all weekend. It seemed to go in that direction. Bill's team of destiny, Cowboys beating the 49ers, the Giants potentially upsetting the Eagles. Yeah, none of that stuff happened. No, no. But, you know, now I'm a giant Eagles fan, which is something I never thought I'd say. And if there's any position to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan, considering we're from the local area, we could very easily join those forces and join that affiliation to then go root against the 49ers, which would be the only time in our lives that we would be able to do that. It's a perfect situation for everybody to, to, to root for Kobe, root for the, the Philly ties, everything that links back to Philadelphia that is cool. You could represent all of this week because we're on your side and we want San Francisco to go down as as tough as they can. And I'm seeing a lot of hate for Nick Sirianni, a fellow Nick, a fellow Paisan, <laughs> um, because he's just excited. And I was sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, that's probably exactly how I would be if I was a head coach. It's how I am when I play Madden against somebody. Um, it's like <laughs> full gloat, like full glory, like put me in front, you know, uh, and people are like, that's not what a coach should be and all that stuff. And I'm like, I love it. Like, I yeah. absolutely love all of that stuff. I think it's I think it's fun. I think there's great room for it in football because a lot of the coaches want to be, you know. And also, like, McVay is so that guy as no, well. That's exactly where I was going to go with what you yeah. were saying. Is You remember the NFC Championship game where he runs to the end zone and joins forces with all the players and celebrates the touchdown. You know, they're up 17. It wasn't the NFC Championship. That was the last right. game of the season. Mm-hmm. He would never act like that in a championship game. Sirianni, though, winning 28 to nothing. You're about to go for two points at halftime, shaking his head like that. The Paisan eats Little Caesars pizza. He likes the deep dish. He likes the stuffed crust, whatever. He's in the yeah. capital of great pizza, and he goes with Little Caesars, whatever. Uh, outside of that. I think that Nick Sirianni is, and the Eagles really have put together a devastating roster. You've looked at it as the season has gone on. Everybody that I listened to that calls into WIP before the season started were just boasting about the roster and how talented they are. Highly talented in all phases, offensive, defensive line, defensive backs are very talented. Skill players are great. Jalen Hurts is great, right? So now you're coming up in a championship weekend against the 49ers. And I have to say that the 49ers weaknesses are those defensive backs. It's not the safeties. It's those two outside defensive backs. You got A.J. Brown and uh, skinny Batman, Devontae Smith. I think there's going to be some issues 
with the 49ers having to deal with that pass stack. But Nick, the recap of the weekend, this is how it went. Chiefs and Jags on Saturday, 27 to 20, your backdoor cover. I wanted to go over Nick's picks first before we jump in anything else. So we'll go through the recap. Chiefs versus Jags, 27 to 20. Eagles beat the Giants 38 to 7. Just (laughs) if you had the Giants to cover, you had a parlay like we were talking about in the Saturday episode, you were totally screwed. The Eagles completely owned that game. Bengals beat the Bills 27 to 10. Everybody from Get Up, you know, Mike Greensburg, or everybody that was on Get Up this morning, Ryan Clark, Rex Ryan, they were all talking about how Joe Burrow is the next Peyton Manning, is the best quarterback in the league. Reminds me of the Aaron Rodgers narrative that was created when Tom Brady was was still owning the league, right? It's the Mahomes, and now it's Mahomes and Burrow. So it's interesting to see how that's unfolding. And then the Niners and the Cowboys, you got the, the Brock Purdy story and the Niners being in the NFC Championship three out of the last four seasons. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces in the league right now. And I don't, I don't know where you stand with Brock Purdy, but I feel like I watched that game last night and I saw two interceptions that potentially should have been caught. A lot of off-scripted stuff, but very much predicated on George Kittle, who had a, over 100 receiving yards. You don't see a lot of outside stuff. So it's a it's the way that the offense is supposed to be functioning, the way that Kyle Shanahan built it out, but with a quarterback who's, I guess, a little bit more talented somehow. Where I stand with all the Brock Purdy stuff is I'm the media is making me not like him because <laughs> I'm seeing like today like a sheet where it was like, conference champions and it was like all these great quarterbacks like Herbert, Cousins, Lamar, um like zero, Brock Purdy one. And <laughs> while he has, you know, done a great job, he stepped in mm-hmm. to a team that has never maybe in our lives never been that complete. Yep. Like not once. Like if you put any of those QBs on that list on that team, I mean, they would be in the exact same situation. Totally. Um, and maybe even like doing it grander, which is impossible because he's he's won every single game. But, I mean, honestly, he's got the backup magic. He's young. Uh, he, he, he definitely had – it, it did look like he was frazzled. For the first time I saw him, he looked frazzled. And mm-hmm. Cowboys, it looked like, had dropped – four picks in that game. It was insane. Like off the numbers picks, like really bad throws. And he was, you know, scrambling around, like running around kind of like very scary, almost had the bonehead play where they didn't get the field goal off. Cause like one second too late, the ball hit the ground uh, before halftime. Before halftime. Right. But they are a force. I just don't know. This would be the ultimate test. If Brock Purdy can go into Philadelphia, maybe the most hostile environment to have play an NFC Championship game and win, books are off. I'm betting on the Niners in the Super Bowl. I don't like it, but I mean, there's just you know, that's just kind of how it is. That's no, I get it. it. Have to be they. They have too good of an established organization team with the, the players that they have, and Kittle working magic with a. Face mask catch. I know it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think the Brock Purdy thing, the, the part that's really frustrating is the Tom Brady comparables, right? The last pick in the draft, they were talking about how Brock Purdy goes to Kyle Shanahan after plays where he makes mistakes. And that's how the Bill Belichick Tom Brady relationship started to be born was the fact that Tom Brady could diagnose things in real time, bring him back to Bill Belichick and say, hey, look, 
we could have done this. I should have done that. I made a mistake. I'll do it again next time. I'll do it better next time. And that's what Brock Purdy brings to Kyle Shanahan. So there were a lot of these comparisons that were being made to, you know, this is the next Mr. Irrelevant and this team could be, you know, whatever they may be, they win a couple more games and they're going to be Super Bowl champions. So there's, there's that angle of it, but also the fact that that, that Cowboys team for everything that they should be, and, you know, before we crown San Francisco, everything that they should be over the last 30 years has fallen by the wayside. That organization is the most profitable in sports. They have to be able to bring in a top 10 quarterback at the very least. You have to be able to bring in skilled players outside of C.D. Lamb. Dalton Schultz is your second pass catcher is a joke. You got rid of Michael Gallup. Zeke Elliott is on the one of the worst contracts I've ever seen in my entire life. Tony Pollard breaks his leg. Like everything happened for Philadelphia to host a championship game where two teams were beat to shit. You see it with San Francisco also. McCaffrey's got the calf injury. They were managing him late in that game yesterday. But Dak Prescott, you talk about Goff, you talk about Wentz, you talk about Prescott, that whole quarterback class. Jared Goff is unanimously the best in that class. Dak Prescott didn't do one thing last night that impressed me. When there were three or four throws that needed to be had, they were underthrown, they were behind the receiver, they were poorly timed, his arm was getting hit. Like that San Francisco defense will come at you. Eric Armstead and and Dre Greenlaw and everybody that the Nick Bosa, everybody that's stacked up on that line is intimidating. But when you, you don't have the one, you don't have the skill players Two, you just straight up don't have the talent from the quarterback position. That team is going to fall by the wayside. They're going to fall in the divisional round. They're not going to be able to beat and recreate a historical rivalry the way that the Niners and the Cowboys used to be. That's a, that game was a joke. Like I, I didn't feel at any moment that the Cowboys were going to come out and win the game. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it was a joke. It was a very close game. They had a two minute drill at the end that they could have made into like a touchdown. Uh, they were dealing with like a kicker problem. Oh, that's another uh, thing. goes out halfway through. Uh, I thought the Cowboys defense looked fantastic. Dak is the huge glaring problem. The glaring question mark of can we win it over the top with this guy? Um, and boy, I mean, just from today, everything I'm seeing, it's like the other games didn't even happen. Like it, it, it must be difficult sure. to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Because the thing with the Rams up until last year when they traded for Stafford, um, they have flown under the radar. So like a big loss would happen and then the next day people do not care. You know what I mean? Like it was something that that we dealt with. It was like even after the Super Bowl um, with uh, Belichick and they put up three points, that would, you know – it came and went pretty fast. Like, sure, they, it was memed a little bit because it was on the biggest stage. But, you know, the, nobody's talking about the Jags who actually had a fantastic game and, like, were almost able to beat the Chiefs. Um, it's all Cowboys talk. So I, yeah, my yeah. sympathy goes out. Well, I, I understand where you're coming from. You're a little fatigued over the Cowboys talk, and and rightfully so, right? It's And then the 49ers are aggravating on in their own right, so it's, it's frustrating to talk through that. But the Jags, right, like you mentioned, backdoor cover. The Eagles and the Giants, that's not even a game that you could really talk about. No. Danny Jones looks completely lost. You know, it's an argument as to who was the second best quarterback in that division. Nobody knows the answer to that right now. Is it Danny Jones? Is it Dak Prescott? Maybe they're tied. That, yeah, that's what many people are saying. Maybe it's Danny Jones. The threat of being able to run the ball, it just seemed like he was so lost against that Eagles defense, and it was tough to watch. And then the Bengals and the Bills. Talk about Team of Destiny. First off, the DeMar Hamlin conspiracy is very interesting. 
right? Nobody saw his face throughout that game. Like he was covered up in a mask. Nobody actually like they never got the camera when it was snowing and they showed him in the press box. You couldn't see his face. That was odd. The, the fact that this was supposed to be the team of destiny, this team was supposed to go to the promised land. They fall 27 to 10 at home to the team that seemingly has their number. And Nick, that's what we talked about on Saturday was this Bengals team. Remember before DeMar Hamlin, unfortunately suffered the cardiac arrest, scared the shit out of us. The Bengals were, were marched up and down the field, right? Yeah. That game was seven to three and they were marching up the field again to go and score. And that Bengals team is very legitimate. Talk about Zach Taylor as potentially the best coach amongst everybody that worked under Sean McVay there, that arguments there, but you know, how great is Joe Burrow? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like annoyingly great. It's like, I'm waiting for him to mess up. Um, that bills team, they definitely had some holes, but I mean, they're, you know, everybody wants to talk about blowing it up now in Buffalo and is the window closed. And I don't think that's either of those things are true at all. No, it's I just not. think, have, the, I think core is signed throughout the next couple of years. The takeaway there is holy crap. The Bengals are a force. And you have to prepare for them like you are. I think they were looking ahead to Kansas City, truthfully. I think they were looking ahead to the neutral location, and they're like, it's in the snow. We got this. And the conversation I don't think anybody wants to have, if you're a Buffalo fan, is I think you need to be, you know, you need to work on that new stadium. You need to make it a dome. And if you want this Josh Allen regime to really win a Super Bowl and, and be a top divisional seed, you might have to play in a dome. I'm sorry, yeah, Buffalo. It's, it's a know, good point. Do you want a Super Bowl or do you want your your culture to be freezing cold? Because I don't know if you can have both right now, truly. And if then I were a Buffalo how are you not going to run the ball with Josh yeah. Allen? Because that has to be the plan in that kind of cold weather. Yeah, you have to let him lead the charge. It's a massive part of your offense. The second that goes away, that's when it gets a little bit scary. And you're, you're reliant on Stefan Diggs and the other pass catchers, Isaiah McKenzie on that team. And, um, and and Dawson Knox, and it's it's more difficult. I think the, the most interesting thing about the Bills is if we were Bills fans, what wouldn't you give to, one, be in the Super Bowl, two, win the Super Bowl? After the four falls of Buffalo, after this team three straight years, divisional round, championship round, divisional round, bounce, 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 what would you – would you give up to see a Super Bowl if you were Bills yeah. fan? I mean, that's everything about this playoff situation that we're watching this year has just made me so much more grateful that this time last year we were playing a team that we really needed to beat to get a monkey off our back, essentially. Like we were put in a situation like I was almost I, I was rooting for Dallas just so the Eagles could play Dallas and like have that same kind of like we beat the team that, you know, kind of has been our adversary for so long. Like we can kind of take down anybody at this point, even though I do think we have the two best NFC teams now going against each other. But I like, holy moly, it is, it takes so much to win a Super Bowl coming out of the AFC, especially right now with, with the juggernauts that are there. Um, but boy, it's got to be really tough to be a Bills fan. I don't, I, it's like, <laughs> I can't imagine watching four Super Bowl losses on my team. I think that would put me six feet under, honestly. No, I totally agree. I, I wouldn't be able to do a podcast. That's for no. damn sure. No. Could not talk about four falls in four consecutive years. And then you got the Chiefs, the other side, just manning the entire conference. right? The, the fact that they're going to five straight AFC championships, which is one better than Andy Reid went to when he was in Philadelphia. When he went There's to no the way they lose, right? 
to 2000, <laughs> I guess, from 2001 to 2005, Andy Reid went to four consecutive NFC championships. And on that fourth year, that fourth and magical year, they went to the Super Bowl with Terrell Owens because they had T.O. for 12 games coming off of a broken leg. Now Andy Reid has the opportunity, two and five years, you got to get the, the second ring, despite the fact that he's a unanimous Hall of Famer. I think for the legacy and the greatness of Andy Reid, he needs to win another Super Bowl. And he there's no excuses. He has the greatest quarterback he could possibly have to do so. He's a Hall of Famer no matter what. I think for his own – I see now I think him and Mahomes get two more, which is why right now they're my Super Bowl pick. I don't care um, if Mahomes isn't 100%. I, I have learned to never doubt him. Um, he has a line, an, an offensive line right now, which is really the only thing that I think could stop him. Um, is if his line went down. So I'm just 100% go Chiefs go at this point. Yeah. And I, I just know Mahomes is like, if you talk to, to an average NFL fan, barring something or barring something horrible happening to him, everybody thinks he's going to get like at least three, which is so hard to do. Yeah. But yeah. I, th- I think he gets one this year. You know what I mean? Like for the sake of the league and for the sake of potential parity, I think that Cincinnati winning a Super Bowl would be fascinating. I think that Joe Burrow getting throwing his name into the hat with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, I love to see that next generation of quarterbacks take over the league. And Joe Burrow, there has to be another guy, right? You need another guy to kind of come in and, and take Mahomes off the throne. And this is your this is your opportunity, Joe Burrow, right? It's your chance to become. Patrick Mahomes or to become Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or whatever you want to be in that conference. So yeah. that game is going to be highly interesting. Well, he said uh, he's three and zero in his career against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's a great stat and you could spit out DVOA stats. You could spit out offensive line stats, defense, whatever you want against the Bengals 14th, 16th throughout the season, middle of the pack. When it's playoff time, they come to play. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. And, and Eagles, Eagles, um, 49ers. It's going to be a great championship weekend, without a doubt. We'll do it. But just to just to run back uh, our picks and to talk about betting, uh, bet online. Basketball's back, and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player information, and news at bet online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, bet online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. They're always the fastest, always the easiest. Whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or golf, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your, your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Dean, notice how I didn't say basketball's back. <laughs> yeah. It's because been it's back. been back and we need been a new back ad for read. a long time, bet online. Yeah. Give me a new ad read. It's um, been back. But listen. Nick's picks, we, we gave you a lot. We had the under on all four games. That hit. That's four wins. We had Jags plus nine. That's five. Then we had small money on Jags money line. Uh, then we had New York Giants plus eight and Cowboys money line. So we ended up winning. Um, and then we had small money on Pollard, Kelsey, Dimes, Allen, anytime touchdown score. Um Kelsey and Allen did. I don't think I don't think Pollard, I don't know if he did or not, but Dimes definitely did. did. Yeah. yeah. So we went two for four. Um, but you know, a good week. I'm just happy I was so on top of the unders. Because it, you like, saw trending. You saw the all the wild card games go over. You were like division around, we're going under. Yeah. So very smart of you. 
So a good uh, a, a good week for Knicks picks. Good. That's, you know, got to make some money. Got to have a winning record. I think you've been consistently over 500 throughout the entire season. Yeah. We'll take that. You squeaked into the playoffs. My comparable for you is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. Meaning that oh oh I'm the Jags. Your record, you snuck into the playoffs. You got a playoff win. You know you got some good mojo going for next year. Next picks next year is going to be huge. Exactly. I don't know if you remember Dean, but I did like a full documented list of all of our fantasy teams, and I compared all of our teams to like a comparable NFL team. Mm -hmm. And my team, the Los Angeles Lokies, I I was like we are most similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that is exactly how my how my tenure as a as an owner went this year was um, almost you know, exactly like the Jags. I can't I can't lie. Betting is a difficult game. You get yourself in trouble very easily. You throw oh, dumb man. money on stupid stuff. It's amazing to have some form of guidance. So any way that we could provide that, Nick can provide it for you guys because I provide the opposite. Uh, listen up because it's good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, UFAs across the league. I just want to talk about USFL. No, <laughs> unrestricted free agents across the league. USFL and the, um, what's the other league with the rock. What's the, it called? This is the XFL. <laughs> That's, I'm not looking forward to that whatsoever. Oh my God. I love the XFL. No. Hate USFL. Although, give me, if, I, give if me I were to have an affiliation, it would be. Football. It would be this. Would you go St. Louis Battlehawks? Would that be your squad? Absolutely. I was yeah. a huge LA Wildcats fan, but they no longer are an established franchise. <laughs> they cease to exist. Sa, sa, sa. <laughs> I went to an That's, LA Wildcats, and obviously there was no culture. That's right. You did go. Uh, I went LA to the Wildcats. last LA Wildcats game, and then the next day, the whole world shut down. Um, and we were like making up stuff to like be a part of the LA Wildcat <laughs> culture. And we were like, let's go, cats. And like, you know, doing like claws. You got to go cacaw for the Battle Hawks. Mm. Is Jeff Fisher the coach? It's cacaw. No. Ah, oh, shit. I know the name of the coach. I could, see his, I could see his face. No. I might just be the, the fan of whatever team Wade Phillips is coaching. Uh, is he coaching a Houston team or he coached a Houston team last year in the XFL? Fisher no, coached in the USFL, right? No, I no, I think he's a coach in the XFL coming up. Oh, okay. What an irrelevant conversation. <laughs> well, you gotta find something to talk about when your team's out in the playoffs. <laughs> hey, we we talk about, you know, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks an older mind coming in as a defensive coordinator, right? And potentially Frank Reich on the other side. You get some age, you get some experience. It's a it's a potential opportunity for the Rams. I think the coaching thing is really interesting, right? Like the, the, the fact that I watched Bones last night, like on this, the, the special teams coordinator for the for the Cowboys, awesome. make plenty of mistakes. McVeigh shooting daggers to Joe D. Camillus in the last game of the season, like it unfolded the exact same way, which was so fascinating. I think just the vacancies is something that we're going to continue to focus on as the uh, as the off season progresses. But I just wanted to talk about some of the moving pieces around the league and some of the top UFAs. Like as I'm watching that 49ers team last night. And I'm not saying I want to be exactly like the 49ers, but I've talked about over the last couple of years how there are a couple of pieces of that offense that I def desperately want Sean McVay to install into his own offense. In situations where you have a lead, which is even where they struggled last year, when they had a lead, they struggled earlier on in this season this year. I remember that Falcons game, they were up 27-3, to 28-3 earlier on in the season. 
When you're not able to consistently stick to the run, when you don't have top personnel at left tackle, at right tackle, at center, when you don't have guys that want to go out and, and take people down, get to the second level, take players out, get the right matchups consistently, when you don't have that, you're in a position to lose games. And I, I think that the 49ers over the last four years have done an incredible job of bolstering up some of those, not necessarily skilled player positions, but some of those top tier positions like edge like tight end, where they just, I mean, you got some of the best players in the world in that, in that position. I mean, this year, you got rid of Justin Hollins. You lost Von Miller to free agency, which, by the way, when Von Miller went down, season-ending injury, I felt like the Bills' season was over, too. That's yeah. how important a guy like that is. So what do you transfer your energy over to? How do you try to reinstall that type of methodology into your, into your defense? Somebody like Yannick Nagakwe right? It's experience with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's only 20, almost 28. He'll be 28 before the season starts. That's somebody that you could bring in on a three-year deal. I'm looking at his 2022 average. So $13 million on average, he was paid over his four years, five years in Jacksonville. Like that's, you need a top tier bona fide stud pro bowl edge rusher. Um, I think Yannick Nagakwe, for the Raiders, they get drafted by the Raiders. Maybe I'm confusing him with another pass rusher for the Jags. Like that's somebody that I would want for them to bring in. You want to see top tier players potentially of that position. And I'm, I was looking at, you know, Tyler Higby, just looking at his statistics, for example, because people like to talk about Higby and he's been around for a long period of time. And he was the, one of the first players drafted for the LA Rams as they, they moved back to Los Angeles. So Higby, his stats, career numbers this, this year, Finished with career-high numbers, 72 receptions, 620 yards, three touchdowns. And I looked across the league just in terms of receptions. So where does Tyler Higby sit? Higby had 72 receptions on the year. Mark Andrews, tight end for, for the Baltimore Ravens, had 73. So here's the difference in total wow. yards. 874 total yards for Mark Andrews as a receiver. Tyler Higby had 620. So it's a difference of 227 yards. From one of your one of your most predicated, most consistent, somebody that you need to go to in your progressions in short yard situations, it's such an important player, but could also get mismatches, go one on one with a tight end, or go one on one with a linebacker, and get you into that the second level of the defense and keep your drives moving in the right direction. And that's what I want to see them go after. You know, Mark Andrews was a third round pick. You know, I don't think George Kittle was a top pick. Dallas Goddard's another one in Philadelphia who made it an unbelievably athletic one-handed catch in the first half of that game. Well, how about Schultz in in uh, in Dallas? Yeah, the ball. He's not, yeah, he's not somebody that's like overwhelmingly impressive to me, but like yeah. he's still he's still a, a good player. He's he's younger, right? He was a you know third top three round pick. So if you can get somebody of that caliber, but what I really want on this team, and it's what. The Rams have craved and have always needed, have never had historically, is a Gronk, a George Kittle, a Mark Andrews, a Tony Gonzalez, somebody that is a unanimous all-pro first-team guy that is not going to kill your cap. And Tyler Higby, his cap hit this year is going to be the second highest it's been throughout his entire career with the Rams. So yeah. potentially an opportunity to move on from a player like that because I think from a, a skill player position with the Rams, like I don't feel like you need to upgrade receiver Maybe running back, you could bring in a player. Maybe at tight end, you could draft the next George Kittle, the next Rob Gronkowski, if you focus efforts on trying to, to bring in somebody of that caliber. 
Um, but specifically for me, the back end safety is going to be interesting. The cornerback, aside from Jalen Ramsey, is going to be really interesting. But edge rusher and tight end, to me, are just two positions that I feel like all of these great teams who are making final playoff runs, you got Travis Kelsey, you got Dallas Goddard, you got who else? You got George Kittle, and then who's the fourth that's left for the oh, Bengals? What's his name? It used to be uh, – what's the name? Boyd? No. No, it used to be Uzama. Plays for the Jets now. Last year it was Uzama. I have to look it up. Regardless, you get a top-tier guy at that position. The The Bengals are very, very fortunate. Yeah, yep. They're very, very fortunate that they have um, they have uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, right? Yeah. Just two unbelievable skill players. And Joe Mixon and P. Ryan, right? So P. they have a, is the unsung hero. He's yeah, the C.J. Anderson. That's that's what they had last year in Acres and Sony Michelle. Yeah, you know, same kind of combination. So it's and Henderson. Henderson I mean, you know, they kind of had the full committee last year. Henderson yeah, I think if, if there's a team, maybe maybe it's not the case. Maybe it's the Niners. Or, or maybe it's even the Eagles that a team that's most comparable to what the Rams were last year. I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. But our offensive line wasn't as banged up. No, I know. Yeah. They're still missing two starters. Yeah. On that offensive line. And that's really their only deficiency. Yeah. I would board. say so. But yeah, I would, I would, cause I think Burroughs play is most similar to Stafford out of, yeah. out of the quarterbacks left. And Zach well, Taylor yeah. kind of runs a similar type offense. So yeah, I yeah, I would definitely say the Bengals. Yeah, so I'm interested. I'm I'm interested yeah. to see what direction they go because they're talking Lesney's talking a lot about a retool. He's not talking about a full rebuild, but in a retool, you he, could potentially Did you hear what he said about FM picks? What did he say? No, share, please. He said if the F them picks mentality was hundred percent accurate, then we would give those picks in division. Sure. So he's kind of almost like walking back that mentality, essentially. Yeah, well, so F them picks. So they just don't value picks in the same way that other teams do, which I think is, is scary for national media members. A first-round pick for the Rams is equal to a proven great player. It's, a, it's that simple, right? Yeah. Like that's what F them picks means. It's we can get rid of picks and bring in a proven player because we don't know who them picks are yet. I, so to, I think to, with the retooling, like stating that definitely leads me to believe that we're going to lose some, some key Rams, some people that have been established. And I know McVay said he, you know, he listed all those people. I don't know. I feel like one of them is gone and it only makes sense to me that it would be Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, and I think, and I think they are, you know, they're talking about it with him. So it's a comparable thing. And I think he had to kind of like backtrack his social media in a sense, because I, there's no shot that was about, oh yeah, that was my last snap of the season. Like, no, that was like a post no. that was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be here next year, but from the talks that I'm having and we'll never yeah, know. What do you, what do you get? Like I saw Lions fans were talking about, Hey, Jalen Ramsey, if you want to come to Detroit, you can come here. And they were like, all Lions fans were commenting, terrible culture fit. <laughs> won't fit with the scheme. Like, no, Jalen Ramsey will fit with whatever scheme, with whatever culture that you build, as long as it's built the right way. Uh, like, get, he's just outspoken. I, call you out if it's wrong. You want to look at his track record, right? Before the Rams, he was 
he was on Jacksonville and they made it to the AFC championship and they lost. And then they had a bad year. And then after that year, he was like, get me out of here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people probably think that he would bail on Detroit if they didn't have a fantastic year. And I think Lions fans are just internally prepped to have bad years. So yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not saying I agree with that at all. Cause I don't, I actually think he'd be amazing for their culture because I think he would totally lighten it up. But there is, you know, there is evidence to say that he may be, uh, you know, not the. Uh, well, like, but for how the person. hell do you replace him? That's my fear. Like, I'm looking at one of the top defensive backs, let's say unrestricted free agent, and you're going to love this name. I'm just going to do the eyes. I'm going to see if you can guess. Ready? Marcus Peters. <laughs> I know. How did you know? How did you know? I think. Mm, Wait, I, I don't I don't want him at all back. No, no. no. But let me I just want to go down the injured. Road. I think he's currently injured. Yeah, I'm gonna name some some names that you could potentially replace Jalen Ramsey. Well, I mean like, I don't even know if it's a like you wouldn't you can't replace him. That's what I'm saying. Having a different kind of defensive scheme and system where you know somebody in his role is maybe blitzing more often. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think from a schematic standpoint, he could do everything. If you want him to convert to a safety, if you want him to play in the slot, you want him to play in the nickel, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, there's, a, they had another name with the Joker position, right, where he's just following skill player to skill player, like whatever the hell you want to call it. Jalen Ramsey can do it. It's just a matter of if he wants to stay here and consistently do it for this team, for this core, for this coach. It's a good question to ask. I think that my heart is just with the core. And I think that all priority this offseason has to go back to reselling the core that, look, here's our next window. Here's our next three-year window. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we'll be back in the Super Bowl not next year, maybe the year after. There has to be a very clear, straightforward plan for all of these you know, hyper-professional guys that are making tons and tons of money to be able to understand it and and regurgitate it to their family and make sure that it's very, very clear for them and, and they're comfortable with it. So like, where do you, where do you go? To me, that's looking at, at some big names to bring them on, potentially on a one-year deal. Fletcher Cox playing next to Aaron Donald. That would be fun as shit. That would be incredibly fun. You look at somebody like Robert Quinn. It's a defensive end. We talked about edge rushers. Would love to have Robert Quinn in on a one-year deal, potentially retire as a Ram would be something great. Brandon Graham, could potentially be playing in his second Super Bowl. It's going to be on his last couple of legs. Maybe you bring him in for a one or two year deal. Talked about Nagakwe. You look at Mike Jacecki, the tight end, could be a potential player that you bring in, like somebody like that. I feel like Rams fans would just naturally gravitate to because it's really kind of that level up from, from Tyler Higby in terms of athleticism and, and pass catching in space. There are a lot of guys. Jadavion Clowney is going to be floating out there. And there's a lot of players, Jason Kelsey. Evan Ingram, you know, there's there's a, a ton. There's Ashawn Baker, Akeem Hicks was somebody that was floating around for the Rams during this season as a potential. I'm ready to hear some of, like I'm at the point where I'm watching football and I want to know what my team is doing because it is such a limbo situation. The yeah. more you talk yeah. about it, well, yeah, yeah. And then I'm watching Saquon for the Giants this past weekend. Thinking about turned down a deal. Yeah, it turns down a $12 million deal we saw today. He doesn't want to reset the market, but feels like he should be paid. He said market. he wants Christian McCaffrey money. Right. Yep, which is the Rams said that they were willing to offer 
during this past season. So to me, those lines are starting to uh, it's starting to clear a little bit. No, the the Lions. There's no way they could get rid of him. No, I'm saying that that line, that blurry line of where Saquon could potentially go, who the Rams could potentially bring in as a running back, aside of Cam Akers, is starting to clear up a little bit. The chips are certainly in place where running backs should know that the Rams are in, interested free agent wise because they have expressed interest in uh, McCaffrey. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I that's my thought. I think I, I that would be like somebody that could give us a spark of what Todd Gurley could in this offense would solve a lot of our problems offensively and defensively. Yeah, yeah. Because you can give up more points if you're putting up more on the board. Yeah, and I, you know what? Well, we could have probably spent the last 10 minutes talking about how we could bulk back up the offensive line. But, you know, that's going to be something that with Kevin Carberry leaving, you're going to have to bring in a, an offensive line coach that knows his shit inside and out, has a clear direction with where they want that unit to go, knows how to fill out depth from top to bottom, is following college programs closely enough to be a, a quasi-scout to where if you need to bring in somebody last minute, you actually absolutely have somebody in your in your holster that you could add to the roster. That I think the offensive line is obviously the most important point before I go too deep into defensive end and tight end and whatever else the Rams could potentially add. But there's just a lot of big names out there that I feel like they have the opportunity to pull a, a Les Snead, to pull a Howie Roseman, whatever these GMs like to do where they could bring in four or five guys on one-year deals to fill out the remainder of the roster to then sell the dream of, okay, we're going to go back to the Super Bowl next year. So that's where the interest is. And I, you got to be able to paint the picture and then resell it to the team. And I think right. they're going to do that. Because right now it feels like they are so far behind on any yeah. of these top teams, like miles behind. Eight coaches in total leave? Like – that that to me uh, is a hard job. How do you build back up the roster when you got to build up eight coaches at the same it's time? It's so funny though, because the more we talk about it, the more I'm kind of almost aligning with McVeigh's old ideology. Because the the steps to climb to get this team to where it should be, all of a sudden are like you know like a mile high. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice that he that he said I I don't want to run away from adversity. I want to run through it. So. And that makes me feel better about it, everything. Cause when you have somebody like him of his caliber, like you can kind of talk about all this stuff and it can worry you, but you know that you're in good hands. Yeah. And, and the last point I want to make before we sign off and it's, it's exactly what you just said about McVeigh. It's that quote. I could imagine that this team is sitting there stewing pissed off. The fact that the 49ers are consistently doing what they're doing, that they're winning at home, they're coming out of the locker room with with boom boxes and going crazy. Like players are jealous of that. And I know coaches are too. That has to piss off Sean McVay. Right? He wants to bring in a LaFleur brother. He wants to bring in any kind of ammunition to be able to take that coach down next year and that team. And to, you know, it's growing up a 49ers fan, you have to think how difficult that must be for him consistently to be able to take that organization down when there's imagine you're the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would not care at that point. <laughs> if I'm getting paid millions of dollars, I'm sorry, Rams fans. I would be doing what I can to win that game. <laughs> you, you would be better. You would be going Sirianni on the side. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Full Sirianni <laughs> as, as McVeigh does full, too. full pandering to the Duval nation. My, yeah. My point was, is that there's gotta be some frustration that you go five and 12, 
and you're seeing your best friends across the state in the championship game again. So I think there's some there's some right. bottle and of then it's almost like Shanahan, if if I'm McVeigh, Shanahan would be you. Yeah. Yeah. So not only is it the team that I love growing up, growing up, but it's also playing against like a mentor, older brother kind of figure. So that would be something else entirely. But then I win when it matters. So Right. Yeah. Back exactly. up against the wall. It's when I'm it's when I'm at my best. See, no, that's when you win. It's when we play one on one. We play three games. I'm exhausted by the fourth, and that fourth you take advantage. Yeah, and that's that's okay. your championship. I don't, I, I don't think I lose three in a row. That's <laughs> all right. Here's here's a question I want to ask you as a hypothetical Niners fan, um, posing to all of them out there. I would love to hear the answer before we sign off. Yeah. So, back to back NFC Championship games, right? Right. Do you give up? And like, just essentially switch roles with us right now, so you don't go to back-to-back NFC championships, and your team is a mess, and you don't know what your future looks like. Um, you know, and your coach was debating retiring, um, but you won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, yeah. Would you like right now? Like, you don't get to go back in time and relive that Super Bowl win. You just have it. Like right now, I would love to know if they would be like, yeah, because we won the Super Bowl and, so, and we beat, when we beat you guys to get there. I feel like most of them would say, no, I like our chances right now. That's so, what I kind of the direction that I'm leaning. And I, I yeah. without knowing if they're because I think that they're going to win the Super Bowl. I, I talked about it. I, I talked about how I had a dream that they win. And Nick Bosa is the Super Bowl MVP. I just I, I could I feel like I could see it. I hope to God that I don't. But in the positions to where nothing is guaranteed in this league, they're going to go up against a very, very tough Philadelphia Eagles team in Philadelphia, which is impossible, impossible to go in there and even catch your breath because it is an overwhelming, hostile, mean environment where things are whizzing across your eyes, snowballs, beer cans. It is tough to watch a football game there in its entirety. So there's nothing guaranteed. I want the Super Bowl. I want to have it. I wanted it in my back pocket. I celebrated it. I went to it. I saw the pictures. I saw Ashawn Robinson shaking that massive bottle of alcohol, whatever the hell it was. Remy the Remy the twelfth, whatever the. I have no clue. Oh, it was Don Perignon, right? Don Perignon. I've never seen a bottle that large, and you can't ever take that away. So yeah. to me, that's, it's it's that's always, probably how they feel. Yeah, always and forever the Super Bowl championship, and the fact that they they beat the Niners last year to do it is. Icing on the cake. And like came back too. Came back. Yep. Indeed. Amazing. That's all we got for you today, Rams fans. All right, Dean, let's go watch The Bachelorette. Yeah. Uh, what time does it start? I Fuck. think you're you're missing it by like 15 minutes right now. Oh. You're missing the introduction of like the third hottest girl, probably. <sighs> you know, I don't I don't think I like the guy. I don't know anything about it. I just know I don't know. Well, the guy was in the last season of The Bachelorette. Oh, so he like, was. So I watch. I don't know if I like him. Was gotta, he a Gabby guy or was he another? Or was he the other girl? Uh, I think he was. I don't fucking know. Maddie was that her name? I have no clue. I don't know if he was on last season, the season before, dude. I God forbid they don't have somebody I'm, named Maddie or Emily or yeah, dude, you know. I'm, I'm focused on um, not season 37 of The Bachelor, but season six upcoming of Rams Brothers the Pop. Oh yes. 
<laughs> where I will start wearing more Rams gear and have more Rams memorabilia behind me. That's okay. You're just a big ball of red in this episode. Look like you're rooting yeah. for the Niners. Nope. <laughs> just kidding. Look like you're rooting for Mario. I had a big play sleigh shirt on, courtesy of my Eagles friend during that game. I think uh, you're going to have to wear that shirt again this weekend. I guess so. Yeah. Bring out all your Eagles memorabilia. We hate the 49ers. Hope you guys have a great night. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back later this week. Hey, go birds. Go birds. Hell yeah. Peace. And go Rams. (laughs) Going to go cacaw? You get a cacaw.